G'day everyone, welcome back to Inner Strength Check, Hobbies, Riffs and Mental Health. I'm your host, Brady. Today we're going to get into a review of a fantastic album, which I think is just exemplary of some great changes in the modern death metal scene. I'm talking, of course, about the new album by Afterbirth. One of the overarching features that I really enjoy about this album is the fact that it's so, it's such an organic blend of clinical technicality dissonance and just some very spacious sort of features we see a really good example of that with the album just bursting to life right out of the gate with tightening the screws it's an opening track that really feels like this relentless onslaught of riffs and blasts there's this immediate demand for your attention the guitar tone's gritty it's commanding there's this edge to it, but also a fuzziness, and it really kind of reverberates around inside your skull. Topping that off, we've got the drumming. Oh, the drumming's fantastic on this album. There's flair and unwavering precision, which by the time tightening the screws is done, it's really set a solid stage for what really does feel to me like a sonic adventure. I know that I'm using, I'm very, very prosaic and verbose in my description, but if an album this year deserves it in a time where progressive death metal as a scene is becoming a bit oversaturated, then an album that deserves some flair and pomp and pretentiousness on my end uh, would be this one. So then from tightening the screws, we get a bit of a detour with Devils with Dead Eyes. There's this melodic and catchy bass section. At the start of it, it kind of reminds me of, well, of Helmet or Radiohead indeed. The sound expands, there's this very ethereal atmosphere and it contrasts a lot with the previous track. There's a lot of sense of these kind of, there's a tapestry of haunting melodies in there and it, you really do feel like you're being transported elsewhere to another dimension. When I say that, what I mean is there's, there's this sense of intricacy, but also a very washy, effects-laden kind of there's an interplay between this gritty tone and this effects-laden, lilting sort of atmosphere. It's a really nice mix of prowess, so technicality, and just very open-ended creativity without having to resort to extensive, I guess, tropes, even post-metal or quote-unquote cavernous death metal style tropes. Um, from there, we're thrust straight into Vomit on Humanity, Fantastic, very death metal sort of title there. It's a bit of a detour. Um, and, well, it's a detour from the detour. So, really, you're kind of on a journey that has intricate and multiple detours throughout, and that's the entire point of the album. So, Vomit on Humanity, it's a very kind of morbid invocation. There's this really sort of... Uh, where Devils with Dead Eyes seem to kind of mm, pull you away from that aggression. You're thrown straight back into this dissonant vortex. There's this surgical strike-like precision. The intricacy of the guitar riffs, it's very much... Um, whereas Artificial Brain would have more sort of kind of almost a buzzsaw element to it. This is like... This is like being hit with a futuristic mallet, really. And... Um, the backgrounding of all this is just relentless blast beats in Vomit on Humanity. There's this just sense of grotesqueness and um, unthinking or unfeeling sort of precision to this track. 
And I really like how that's embedded within more kind of dark and organic tones. And that works well. I mean, even though most of what you can hear is, you know, lyrically, even the theme of the song itself, it's a very nice way of kind of almost undermining and promoting humanity at the same time. It's, it's vomit on humanity, right? It's misanthropic sort of insinuating about the depths of our depravity. It's, it's, it's nightmarish in a way, but in a way that's also kind of really cool. So from there, we move on to the next track, Autoerotic Amputation. Again, fantastic title. And also belies that kind of vague mix of this sort of seemingly artificial, rogue, AI, tense, sort of uncaring atmosphere with this disorienting, abyssal, but somehow warm kind of tone that's going on here. It really does kind of play with your sanity a bit. It's very clever how much they've tr they've managed to enmesh those two things into this macabre hole. There's a relentless technicality in this track, particularly the riffs. It, they feel very labyrinthine. You know, they, it just sort of expands through into your neural network, and it's almost like a creeping virus. And that the drumming becomes the cadence of the drumming here feels a lot more sort of thunderous. And that gives this implication of a push-pull dynamic, which really sets the tone for feeling even more maddening, but also familiar in a strange way. There's a lot of elements of eerie atmospherics that seep in through here too. So with that viral sort of tone, there are just small layers and elements that I think deliberately through the production, which is at equal odds, clear and dissonant, allows for, it's it's almost like uh, the musical version of a game with m really high replayability. It's almost like there's these whispers from, from the void from somewhere else, you know? I get the feeling that there's, that's deliberate, that there's some layering there that you aren't actually meant to hear on the first listen. It's really quite uh, cleverly done. And of course, I mean, auto-erotic amputation, we're getting into some perverse themes there, right? And that expands on this macabre sort of theme about vomiting on humanity. So you get this sense that although there's an organic warmth to the overtones of the guitar and the bass and everything, there is this sort of unflinching, uncaring dynamic to it too. It's actually, I actually find that it's done as well, if not better than artificial brain in terms of molding those two sorts of aesthetics together, which... I mean, I love Artificial Brain, so it's fantastically done. And of course, Will does a brilliant job in displaying his vocal range here. In fact, the vocal range really sort of, there is this sense that he's lying within the depths, almost like the vocal gens from Meshuggah, acting more as an instrument of sorts. But every now and then you're just sort of, you're grabbed by the throat, by the odd snarl and shriek, and it really kind of throws you for six. Speaking of being thrown for six, yet again, vivisected psychopomp. So that kind, that one really draws things back into a more, I guess you can say, early Florida classic era, late 80s, early 90s death metal style. There's this sense of a return to classic roots there. It gives me a very early Cannibal Corpse vibe. So in that sense, there's this merging of 
spindly complexity, but also infectious, infectiousness within the riffs. And that really continues to overscore that mix between just outright savagery and being a bit more introspective. Throughout all this, though, even, and I guess in line with early death metal, there's a lot of use of unpredictable time signatures, which really keeps you on your toes. You're never quite entirely sure what to expect of this, even if you feel you're someone like me who's a bit pretentious and thinks you're into experimental stuff. Like, this is something that is equally for death metal fiends and not for death metal fiends. And I don't know how to elucidate that except in my own way. But even with that, there's this very interesting, lofty sort of finger picking section with the guitar. And then that adds a little kind of just this sort of just enough of an element of the arcane there yet again fitting with the theme of the song, right? Fitting, fitting even just with the title, Vivisected Psychopomp. It's that uh, Gomjabar, I'm sure I butchered that pronunciation, June style. Now, for my favorite title on the album, and also I think ultimately what you could sum the aesthetic up in track name, Hovering Human Head Drones. That really unveils the more atmospheric and progressive side. You get, when I say before, there was some effects and use of reverb and delay and all those sorts of little, uh, you know, subtle elements. This time, it's more in your face. There's a strong emphasis on the synthesized element, which again, goes back to the theme. It's quite soothing and spacious. So it's almost like you've you've been thrown apart into something vast. And then you're pulled down back and beaten over the head with tracks such as autoerotic amputation. But the progression through from vivisected psychopomp to hovering human head drones, it's almost like you've just been shot out into the airlock and you're on a bunch of, I don't know, future NASA pills and you just don't care. You're just weightless and there's a sense of wonder. and that is amplified times 10 with the title track which for a short track i find it really actually quite a highlight of the album you know even progressive death metal bands that are pushing the envelope and things like that shorter instrumental tracks these days tend to kind of just act as oh okay this is only so long it's an interlude but i really like the experimentation and the adventurousness of the title track there's a very slow build and then it just it's almost like the entire thing collapses on itself and just spasms back out into this slamming vibe which really once again as soon as your expectations are kind of set in a certain way nope they're thrown elsewise and there's more use of the kind of psychedelic um, arpeggio style sections which really adds back into that that intrigue and that nice dreamier sort of side and you'd expect to be thrown from there with your typical extreme metal tropes and your typical prog metal tropes into something just fast and brutal and not entirely wrong with angels feast on flies again great track title but there's something a little bit more menacing and sinister about this one 
it's like the, this one has additional grit to it, you know, and there's some resonance. Like this is a, a fast track and I really like the dynamicism of the drumming on Angels Feast on Flies. I mean, I love the dynamics of the drumming on the entire album, but there's something about this that there's a little bit of extra flourish here and it's not over embellished. And I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that as a feature of this track because there's that's juxtaposed with some melodies that they don't, again, they're subtle, but they're also quite infectious. It really is something that, it's a kind of album that will take you about five or six listens before you get hooked, even though you'll enjoy it on first listen. And I think that just goes to show the creative prowess of these guys. And then Time Enough itself follows Angel's Feast on Flies. And there's, I don't know how to keep, just not keep repeating myself, but there's yet again where we're showing that primordial, mucky, just unbound, vaguely defined soup of thick riffage with binding, tight, uh, ever-shifting technical death metal. And I really like the fact that Again, yet again, if we look at the theme, time enough itself, there is this feeling of time precision. It's, it's brought back in. It's kind of it's locked in with a bit more sort of uh, conciseness and purpose. So I really do appreciate that each track on this album, it's almost as though, uh, I think it's concession, the fact that the vocals can be so guttural and almost indecipherable at times that the tr it's like post-rock, the track titles lend themselves to the theme. And I think that they've really done well on this album to capture, which is why I wanted to do track by track. Speaking of that, we go on from, we go on from that time enough itself into death events itself. Again, that reiteration of the itself objectifying things a bit and that objectification of the title really lends into the brutality of this one. But the brutality of this track is in such a catchy way, it's almost AOR hard rock style, in, in a way, in a means. There's some simplistic, but deliberately powerfully simplistic chord progressions here, but that's interspersed with, I'm, and I'm not just talking about the riffs here, I'm talking about the, the drum backing, the bass, the vocals, everything. There's a sort of a, an ebb and flow on this one. And it, it there is this juxtaposition between much bigger, more open, and going back to that idea of old school breakdown style riffs with these just almost OCD. Uh, I know that's a bit of a generalizable term, but it, I, I don't know how to sort of uh, hyper analytical complexity to the riffs on this one, but in shorter kind of phrases than previous tracks. So it's overall it's a more bombastic, catchy tune, but every now and then there's a sprinkle, there's a drum feel here, there's a lick there, there's a, just a bark or a growl. It's just, there's something just really tantalizing about this album. And um, I almost feel like I'm overselling it, but it, it really is one of my favorite albums of this year, so I have to give it credence. And the penultimate track of the album, well, actually, the end of the album. So Succumb to Life is just, that's, oh, what a closer. 
again, I would expect no less from what we've gotten in the preceding tracks, really embraces this paradoxical nature that we've seen the whole way through. There's almost this this sense, this sense of being teased and hinted at with the intricacy of the rhythms and the mesmerizing kind of leads, those are just brought to the front. It's almost like they've been hiding in the shadows and now the alien craft comes forward and you can see every inch of the biomechanical complexity of this beast. They really lay out the progressive metal cards on the table, but in a spacious yet brutal way. And what I like about this track is it's almost sort of like when you're seeing a band live and they'll do a track and they'll just kind of extend it out to have a bit of a jam where, you know, without giving too much of, oh, this is the guitar solo, this is the bass solo, that sort of thing. There is this element of spotlighting and highlighting different aspects of all of the bands, the bass, the drums. The, there's this sort of, it's and it's not in this kitsch way either. It's this sort of almost like individual instruments act as bubbles that just pop through the muck. And it just feels like this wonderful tapestry rather than it's the bass player's time, it's the drummer's time. So yeah, it's a very rewarding album. It's challenging. It's not an easy listen, but it is. There's so much juxtaposition within In But Not Of, and it's done in such a way that is equally compellingly head-scratching and dense, but also almost caveman simplistic in its delivery. So look, if you're a fan of progressive metal, and if you're a fan especially of brutal death metal, and also if you're sort of starting, if you're starting to tire of the moniker of quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, you can't see, progressive death metal, either being this nice rivers of Nile, you know, exploratory clean sound, or this tomb mold cavernous, which is good. I, I, I like tomb mold and Cathelus, those sorts of bands. But I really do think there's something about the conciseness and the complexity and the density and this marriage of that quote-unquote cavernous and OSDM sound and almost like a hearkening back to the 2000s just blistering technicality in, in an almost Dillinger escape plan math core sense too. So I guess ultimately something's very unique about this band. All of their albums are fantastic and if you claim to be a fan of progressive metal in the true sense of the term, i.e. in terms of metal that continues to push boundaries, that doesn't sort of sit at even the tip or the spear of a progressive metal scene and is actually launching forward into its own chasmic area that it seems to fill effortlessly while paying great homage to its forebears, then I highly, highly recommend this album. This is definitely going to be in my top 10 for the year. I recommend you check it out. It's out now on all streaming platforms. Enjoy it. Turn off the lights, close your eyes, and be transported to a freaky dimension. <laughs>